0: I'm Josh Sigmund, and I'm a mortgage lender. I'm also a geek for money, not just earning it and saving it, but literally everything about it. I love that money has rules, it has its truths. I love investment strategies, and I love making money work for us. For so many, money is emotional. For me, it's logical, like a puzzle. My passion is also helping others with their money. I love looking at people's finances, dissecting their puzzle, and rebuilding with strategy and purpose, and I'm really good at it. I'm making this podcast about my money strategies, not the things that are written in books or sold in programs. It's a podcast outlining the lessons I've learned and used for the past 15 years. These strategies help me and those who use them save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. Let me teach you how to build your net worth. You ready? Welcome to Sigmund Sense. All right. Welcome to episode one, year one, minute one of Sigmund Sense. So I am your host. This is Josh Sigmund, and I am with my hostess. Can I say hostess? Hostess. I like Hostest. hostess. This is Bryn Rouse. I like and it. And I wanted to talk about uh, how this all came to be because I'm super excited about it. I'm super nervous about it, but it's fun. I know. Uh, I can't believe it's happening. I know. We've only been talking about it for a year. I know. So, um, you know... Bottom line is that I've been doing mortgages for years and years and years, as you know. And um, I think everyone has their own personal money story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have my own personal money story about um, you know, how I overcame some fears about it or understanding about it or lack thereof. And then, of course, my industry requires uh, a, a de- deeper uh, depth of knowledge anyways yeah. uh, about money. And uh, of course, you've been along my side for 10 years now. And mm-hmm. so I've, I've gotten to watch you and your family work on your money as well. And what we've talked about for years and years and years is the need for more information to the general public. It's, a, it's amazing yes. to me how many people think they know uh, uh, about money, about the rules, what to do, about budgeting, yeah. how to invest, when to invest, what's a good idea, how much house should you buy, um, but how few people actually do understand it.
1: Right. Or know how. Yeah, oh, or I mean, where to start. Yeah, where, absolutely. Where to start. So absolutely.
0: Um, I think the whole purpose of this podcast was, A, to get some more general knowledge out there. Uh, because I, I really do think that um, with a little bit of time put into it, it's actually a pretty easy, non-emotional, logical thing that you can work on. Um, pull us
1: out of the emotion and into making it a game. Yeah. A game. Make money a game.
0: Yeah. And at the end of the day... um. It, putting your head in the sand and not working on it just makes things worse. And we, yeah. we see that in our industry time and time and time again.
1: Yeah, because it's scary. I don't want to go and look at all that
0: stuff.
1: <laughs> um, one thing I think is that I'm really excited about is that we spend a lot of time and have spent a lot of time over the years showcasing um, your strength for business building and uh, and or my strength for marketing and really focusing in on the business related stuff. And you're also really good at this piece and it can help everyone, not Mm -hmm. just people that are building teams or in business or want to hear about things in that realm. So it's exciting to like, take it, uh, take it on the road,
0: the road show, the
1: road show. So we can, um, I mean, just expand and, and talk to more people, about it um because it's just it's cool and i think that you are really good at it and i think most people's perception of having to talk about money with you is like oh my gosh like i don't want to be judged i don't you know i'll be embarrassed and it just couldn't be farther from the truth cuz i can speak personally i know that's how i i felt and um you i think gosh, for probably two years. We're like, mm-hmm. let me do your budget. Let me do your budget. Let me do your budget. And I could not think of literally anything worse than having to like do a financial physical with you. Well,
0: it's, it's like going to the doctor and getting naked in front of a total stranger. Yeah, except that guy's
1: t- also your boss. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Which just adds a real fun element. Um, but ultimately, it was Randy that... Made the decision, yep. and uh, yeah, you uh, went. You saw an opportunity with Randy, and we're like, "Got it," and got ready to com- Randy to commit. Yep. And I, it's just, I'm really glad that that happened. Um, and so much. I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you do, but I would not even attend for the first year.
0: I remember that. I would not Ran- attend. Your, Randy is is <laughs> Bryn's husband, and uh, he and I would get together to go through personal budgets once a month. Yeah, and that was. Every bit of six years ago now. Mm-hmm. So how things have changed. But we'll get into that later on. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a good point to start is people have to understand. You know, If, if I'm going to ask other people to get naked and ask questions and share different things and stories, I've got to share my own story. Yeah. Um, and don't feel bad for me because I've been very blessed my whole life. Um, that being said, you know, having money or, or starting with money in a family doesn't mean that it's always easy. Um, it's not with, easy.
1: With, and I think that a lot of people would...
0: Disagree or not agree or think the opposite, right? It's like, oh,
1: there's money over there. Everything's always been hunky dory and easy.
0: Yeah. And so, um, you know, I I would argue that uh, not having money and not knowing what you don't have, uh, from my point of view, might be easier than having money and then losing it Um, because you know what you didn't have in the first place. Um, The opportunity to earn it versus uh, trying to. Protect it so it doesn't all go away. Is also an emotional thing that people go through. So yeah, for um, sure. For you know, sure. I I, uh, I I started off pretty pretty lucky. My dad is a perinatologist, so he he works on fetuses and and high risk uh, pregnancies. And my mom's a double PhD. I'm the dumbest person in my family. My brother has lots of initials behind his name as well. I don't. Um, But uh, well, now you can add podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> podcast podcast okay, host. I'll add initials. that to my credentials. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, I grew up with a doctor and, um, and he was a great earner. My mom was a great earner. And so, uh, you know, we fell into the eighties and the nineties where you spend a lot of money when you make a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, I didn't know any differently because my parents never learned about money really until later in life. Um, and they s- didn't teach it to their kids, me being one of their kids.
1: That was going to be my question. Like, was it a conversation? Yeah, it was that... never
0: a conversation. Yeah. It, was, it was, uh, if we had it, we would go do it. And, and I, I love that I had lots of experiences growing up. You know, we were the family that had a boat and my, uh, my dad loves flying private planes and, uh, we traveled the world growing up. I, I was in probably 40 of the 50 States before oh. I graduated from high school. I, I I lived abroad in three different countries, Australia, England, and Jamaica, And I literally, uh, as I grew up, I never thought I'd have to worry about money because mommy and daddy clearly were rich, right? Because they have a boat and a plane.
1: That was going to be my next question. Like, did you, you knew and were identified or were you identified as a rich kid?
0: Well, I assume so. I was at a private school and, um, among your peers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know what's funny is I thought I was the poor guy at, at school based on some of the uh, okay, what the other okay. yeah yeah it's pretty funny. Um <laughs> it's funny that you brought that up I forgot about that. I I thought I identified myself with the poorer folk at my private school because there were some really 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 rich people at the private school I was aware of. Okay. Um Bush family people, right? Like oh, like wow. Anne busch Bush. Um, so I knew we weren't that, but I knew we weren't without either. Okay. Um,
1: So you knew that there was money.
0: Yeah, I knew there was. And I I knew that the the fun experiences you could get as Mm -hmm. a result of it. um, I didn't understand the game at all. I didn't understand how to earn. I didn't understand how to save. I didn't understand how to budget. I just knew if there was money, we could do stuff with it. And And that was about the extent of it.
1: And how did you spend? Were you given (sighs) allowances? Did you have to work? I mean, I don't.
0: Um, You know, it's funny. I think that parents in general that have money make the mistake of they, they want their kids to be better off than them and not struggle like they did. Um, and so I didn't have chores that were, were required to get money or to okay. get allowances. Um, I think that's a big mistake because I would have learned that a little bit earlier. Uh, however, I did, for whatever reason, have a work ethic just because my parents yeah. were working parents. They both worked. Yeah. I watched them work their butts off. And so by, uh, I think, St. Louis at the time, at age 14... Is when you could get, uh, you were allowed to start working. Whatever the first year was, I, I, my first job was actually scraping pans at a Mexican restaurant nice. and cleaning out beans nice. and, and rice and all that fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, because I wanted to earn some money for myself, um, I didn't really think I was going to go without, but I just wanted to have wanted some to, yeah. extra money, right?
1: And what about your brother? Did he have to? Did he work too? Um,
0: my brother did not work. Um, I do not recall him having a job. I, uh, I can't say that that's hundred percent accurate, but I do not recall him having a job. Okay. Um, But I did and I went right into it and and, and it was all fun jobs. Right, I got to be a lifeguard for a while. I was a waiter and a bartender and did all that stuff kind of coming up. But I think where the beginning of my money story really starts is is when I went to college. And um, why I say that's the beginning for me is that you've got to remember that I literally did not think that I had to worry about money ever. Uh, I was aware of a college fund. I didn't know how much was in the college fund. Okay. Um, I, you know, uh, rightfully so in some ways, my parents always told me, hey, listen, we want you to go do and be whatever you want to be when you grow up. Um, problem with that was it wasn't specific enough and it, I didn't understand uh, that, that that there was money required to do these things, right? Right. Um, and I end up, uh, yeah. to, to give you an idea of just how loosely I felt about money, um, I had just gone to Hofstra University in Jamaica for a, a, a study abroad program because I thought I wanted to be a marine biologist. Okay, and I, uh, I wanted to be a marine biologist. And the reason I wanted to be a marine biologist is because Jacques Cousteau was really cool back in the day. And I thought this would be really fun. I could live on a beach and uh, eat coconuts and swim with the fishes. And um, Oh, yeah, and you had long hair too, right? Yeah, and I had, I had, uh, yeah I had very long hair at the time. Not many people know that. Thanks for ruining my life um, and saying that show out loud. The picture, <laughs> show the picture. Show the picture. Um, nice, I don't cool. know. I think I have burned most of the picture at this point. Uh, but anyways, um, you know, my my mom came in one day, uh, my senior, year, and said, "Hey, uh, what college do you want to go to?" And I, I said, "I don't know. I'll, you know. I'll apply to a few." And when I when I applied to a few, I applied to sixteen. Um, so I just I didn't think about it. <laughs> well, I certainly didn't know what I want to be wrong. when I grew up, right? And um, uh, anyways, i applied to 16 schools. They were different, uh, semi-private or smaller schools or private schools across the country. And the last day I was supposed to make a decision, my mom walked in and said, Hey, what, what school do you want to go to? Uh, I had gotten into 15 of the 16 schools. I believe I, I did not get into my first choice, um, because I was a B student. And, so I didn't apply myself in any way, shape, or form. what
1: was your number one Dartmouth,
0: Dartmouth. Dartmouth. I remember having a, I, I met with a lady, the the final interview, she did not like long hair. No joke. I remember going in, and in the first two seconds of meeting this lady, she undressed me as far as, okay, you're not our type. That's how I felt at the very nice house in the downtown St. Louis area. I'm a rich kid. Right, right, right. Um, (laughs) I was dressed the part, I did not look the part in her mind for sure. So. Um, uh, I blame her, but really I blame myself. I wasn't,
1: but really, I mean,
0: it's okay. It worked out. I mean, it worked out for real though. Yeah. So I got into the other 15 schools, uh, or so 14, 15 schools. And I remember that I made a tournament bracket because I really didn't care. I didn't make my first choice. By the way, Dartmouth has a really cool ski, uh, ski school and mountain behind it. And so the reason why it was my one's choice is because I wanted to ski my whole life. Oh, That's why. You
1: probably let in with that. That's probably <laughs> what I said. Yeah. I'm not the smartest man,
0: like I said. So uh, I end up flipping Fair a speed. coin in a tournament bracket and going through several schools and eliminating just like a, a baseball bracket and ended up at Trinity University in San Antonio. And, Which uh, is
1: just like so random to me. I mean, it's right. random, but not like of all the places, of all the places, yeah. Trinity. I mean, I know it's a fantastic Well, school, what's but...
0: really interesting, if you really look at it, is um, geographically, all the schools I applied to are about as far away from St. Louis as possible. So I remember applying to uh, uh, University of, of uh, Coral Gables, which is in Florida, University of Puget Sound, which is in Washington State, Trinity University, places? Northwestern, and all these different places that geographically are as far away from St. Louis as possible. I think that the reason I did that is subconsciously, I knew my parents were not happy um, and I, and, uh, the following year is a big piece of it. They got a divorce after 34 years of marriage. Mm. But I think I knew that as a kid, I don't re- remember thinking they were going to divorce, but there's a reason subconsciously I, I tried to get away. Right. Right. So I ended up at Trinity University, and I remember showing up there and, and Trinity for those of you that don't know is uh, a, a private school, about 3000 kids in San Antonio, Texas. And, um, it's expensive. You know, it's mm-hmm. you know, at the time I want to say it was about twenty eight, thirty thousand $30,000 a year. Yeah. which is a lot of money, except if you don't think that you have to pay for it, right? Absolutely. So it wasn't even part of the, my mm-hmm. my program of thinking of how am I going to pay for this, what's it going to cost, all this, this stuff. And I, I went to Trinity and I got really lucky. I found it fell into some unbelievable friends in my first year. They got their roommates from my college experience are still my best friends to this day. That's awesome. Um, and so six months into this is when the, the bomb dropped. And what I mean by the bomb, and, it, and I think that this is the most important thing that has to happen for people when it comes to making money changes mm-hmm. is at some point you have to experience some level of pain. Yeah. Um, if you don't experience pain, you rarely make changes. And I think about that when it comes to weight, right? Uh, a lot of people know that they're 50 pounds overweight, still smoke a pack of cigarettes every day and drink a gallon of whiskey every single day mm-hmm. until they have the heart attack and the doctor says, dude, if you keep you doing this, do you're going to freaking die. Yeah, you can and so they finally start dieting and start exercising and stop drinking or whatever. Uh, or, um, the, the young kid that drinks every day of his life and don't worry, the drunk driving will never happen to me until they get pulled over and they're about to ruin their life and get a felony. And then all of a sudden they're, they're the DD and they make better choices because they had some level of pain or embarrassment or, or whatever it was. And so my, my moment, the pain that really happened for me was the best and worst thing that ever happened to me was I got a call at the end of my uh, freshman first semester. Mm-hmm. Freshman year, first semester in college. And it was my dad, who I love and I, and I appreciate. Uh, he did so much for me. He gave me so many opportunities. Uh, but he wrecked my world in this moment. <laughs> um, he, gave, he, he basically uh, called me. Uh, I said, hey, dad, what's up? And he said five sentences. He said, uh, Josh, you have some bad news. Mom and dad are getting divorced. Um, somewhere in this, the attorney spent all of your college funds. So you got two choices. You can drop out of college and go to work now, or you can work your way through college. Let me know what you're gonna do. And he hung up. And I wouldn't say that was the best way to handle letting your your kid know that they were, you know, going through a divorce or that yeah. good luck you're on your you're on your own. Um so it was incredibly painful, yeah. right? Uh, but I'm I'm looking back. I'm so I'm sure happy it happened. Really
1: painful for him too.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I you mean, know? because he's a, a a long-winded wisdom man, right. loving man, and so I I just don't think he knew how to handle it. I, I don't know how to handle it any better. You're well, right. Well,
1: and I mean, you've had this life, or and he has created this life for you guys, right? Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah, true. And then it's like, you know, the carpets jerked felt out. Like, oh gosh, you know. So it was probably. The delivery was probably a piece of that too. Yeah. So. And there's
0: also some truth that like I want my, you know, knowing what I know now, I want my kids to know that they're on their own when they turn age 18. Like, yes. um, yeah. you know, I go back and look at what probably happened with my dad, with his father, it was the opposite. So my dad's father was not wealthy whatsoever. Uh, you know, he was a furrier. He sold furs. He sold vegetables. At, uh, at some time he was a yeah. bartender. Um, he made it in his meet. The only vacation that my dad told me he's ever been on before he graduated from high school was to go to Lake Erie, which was a drive from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So they lived in a very modest house oh uh, post-World War II. Literally, uh, my dad's mother, my grandmother stayed in that house from the GI Bill up until her death at 93. Like, wow. that was the house. And um, so very modest beginnings. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have any money going into college, and he's certainly... Um, you know, felt very much on his own when he went off, mm-hmm. you know, his his dad did things for him that he could, right? Uh, bought him a, a chair. I remember him. Remember, I remember vividly that there was a certain chair my dad had all through college. Um, When he graduated from medical school, his, his dad somehow found a way to buy him a Rolex uh, oh because gosh. he was so proud of his son, right? His, his son yeah. has, has come all the way and it's going to be a doctor, like the first guy that's done this in the yeah. family, right? Um, But my dad was on his own. And so I don't think it was he equated like, this is a bad conversation. He probably assumed I already knew I was on my own, uh, but we'd never had the conversation. Okay, you know, you think you about go. that, yeah, there's probably some truth too. there. Mm-hmm. Um, but bottom line was, you know, here I am and I'm, I'm not even 19 years old yet. Um, and I've got a choice in my hand. I think that when people go under fire or pressure, they either step up or they, or they fold. And I, and, you know, I don't know if why, but maybe it was pride and ego is just being a 19 year old testosterone filled man. I already had friends and I didn't want to quit or drop out of school out of pride. I mean, that's not a good reason, but that might've been as simple as it was. Um, but what I do know is that when I left college or when I left that, that semester and I thought through it, I said, no, I'm going to go back. And my, one of my best friends this day, one of my roommates, another mortgage guy, his name is Carson. Um, Carson's the guy that walked me into, into, um, the uh school to show me how to take out student loans. Nice. Uh which we promptly spent half of it on spring break. Because I, <laughs> oh, I was geez. like, oh my God, I they can get as much money, money as I want. <laughs> they get well at the time they just give you the money. There's um <laughs> so I made some really bad choices early, but I was able to you know finance school. Um I paid so for you got student loans. Got student loans and I went and back and got my jobs. Got, okay. so I started bartending uh immediately and waitering immediately. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I made some big choices for life choices, right? Um, I did not eat out and I did not buy the bar tabs. Um, you know, I, yeah. I, I literally ate tuna fish from a can for most of my meals for years with literally tuna fish and mustard. Um, you know, you, at Trinity, you get this lunch program, right? So you, you, yes, you fill accord. it up. I think it's like <laughs> a thousand bucks, right. Uh, that you fill up it's for the, the entire semester our... Heck yeah. and literally my, my meals were eggs, milk, for breakfast, it was a tuna fish sandwich with with mustard. Uh, two of those for lunch, and then uh, whatever the cheapest thing on the menu was, basically for dinner. And I'd, I'm a big guy, so I'd always run out of money. And there were I just had really generous friends that would just, hey, don't worry about, buddy. They just swipe their cards for me. Uh, men and women that that are still friends this day yeah. that they just took care of me for at least two months. And even down to I'm a hunter now. Not everyone loves hunting. Uh, I literally hunted for food back in college. So you're a true hunter-gatherer. Yeah, imagine, imagine that. So back in uh, Carson saw this, you know, what saw me struggling that spring, uh, spring the following year. He said, "Hey, dude, like, have you ever had venison before?" I said, "No, I haven't." He said, "Well, my uh, my grandpappy has a has a place in Kerr, Texas, Kerrville, Texas." And you can come out there and shoot some deer and we can cut it up and you can eat it. So I that, f- that the- following fall for hunting season, we went out there and shot some deer and he spent all Sunday with me cutting up the deer for me and well, teach me how to grunt. Yeah. And literally <laughs> that's what I ate for the most part.
1: He's like your puppet master. Of oh yeah. He,
0: Car- Carson's, he, Carson's one of those guys that like, he knows where the the bodies are buried Right, and I would bury bodies for him. He's just one of those guys. Right. Oh my gosh. Um,
1: so, so took out student loans to be able to get through college. Uh huh.
0: Okay. Yeah, and still have no plan, right? Because I'm not sure what I want to do. I just it was survival mode, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is one of the biggest things we have to all remember is like, doing the same thing doesn't result in situations getting better. So if there's a problem, you know, I look at people that stick their heads in the in the dirt, and 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 I say that because I do loans for a living. So you know, you know that I look at tax returns every day of my life. I look at paychecks every day of my life, and then I have the same client come back three years, seven years, 12 years later. So I've gotten to see these generational similarities when uh, uh, the kids of one of my former loans I did 20 years ago, 15 years ago, the kid shows up and it's remarkably similar what their spending habits are, what their credits like, things like that. Yeah. Um. And I and then I also get to see those people that have made improvements, and I'm so happy and proud. And I tell them because I'm a weird guy remembering numbers. Mm-hmm. When I see somebody's credit scores that were 630 the first time around and they're 780 now five years later, or that they is, have, there's nothing better. It's awesome, and, and is you know, especially better. wealth, you know, because they're moving mm-hmm. towards a, a, a end goal where. They had to do a down payment assistance program when they bought their first house, and they yeah. they didn't have money, or they got a gift from a family member to buy a house. And the second time around, you know, they're putting twenty percent down yeah. because they've done some saving, so, they had some equity building their house, like good incredible. stuff. Um, but most people in general that I observe do not ever change their habits. Right. It's just too hard. They don't know what to do, or whatever. So my habits changed. You know, I ate differently. Um, I spent differently. I, my work ethic changed. I for sure wasn't going to graduate in four years. I was not going to do a victory lap now that I knew I was paying for it. I'm pretty sure I would have been on the eight year program if I, if I, uh, if daddy was paying for it. Right. Fact. I mean, that's just a fact, right? Fact. Yeah. Um, I but when I'm paying for it, I'm for sure going to finish in four years, which I did. Yep. And, um, you know, I graduated with somewhere around 65, $68,000 of student loan debt, um, so about half of it was paid for uh, out of pocket. About half of it was paid wow. uh, with student loans. And and there I am. And, uh well, look
1: what you bought yourself.
0: Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly right. I bought <laughs> myself an education, right? Thank God I, uh, this, the class, I was a finance economics guy. So I graduated with finance and economics background, which really served me. I don't think everyone uses their, their degrees. But yeah. I thought I was going to be a stockbroker, by the way. Um, okay. I don't know if I've ever told you that. But I always thought I was going to be a New York stockbroker. That's what I thought I was going to be in college.
1: So, marine biologist to stockbroker. Yeah.
0: You don't know no, the, 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 the reason for the change? <laughs> no. Marine biologists don't make money unless you're Jacques Cousteau.
1: All right. Stockbrokers, <laughs> I figured, and he's did. Already taken. So. Right.
0: And so I literally yeah. made the transition of okay, now it's not fun and games. I can live on a right. beach anymore. What can I do so I can live the lifestyle that I've become accustomed to? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't backslide. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor. My dad is. So, what, I can, what can I do to go earn money? Um, and, and that was what I thought I was gonna do is be a stockbroker. And unfortunately for me, uh, the tech stocks fell in, in stock market of 2000, 2001. And I was, right right when I'm graduating. (laughs) Right. And I'm a B student on top of that. Right. Uh, because, uh, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm a, I'm a street smart guy. I'm not necessarily a book smart guy. Mm. Um, I've got some book smarts, Mm, but, uh, let me just say, I didn't apply myself as well. I was, I was working really hard. I was playing really hard. I was getting by. And I take tests pretty well, yeah. um, but they don't hire B students in in uh, New York in a down market. That's just the truth. And so I graduate, and I've got uh, no options, and I've got the terrifying student loans coming up in six months. And
1: in six months, and that is, you know, one of the <clears throat> things that when I started in the mortgage business, that I, I my parents gave me the gift of paying cash for college. Mm-hmm. They paid huge gift, huge. I did not understand what I was being given. I knew it was cool and I really appreciated it. And I did have, my dad did have the conversation with me that said, you've got four years, you've got four years of of tuition and four years of rent. And after that you're on your own um, and you got to get a job to pay your, you, you know, your monthly bills and then also for your play money, except for my freshman year, mm-hmm. I didn't have to work my freshman year and I remember going to pick up my first round of books and he had given me my emergency credit card and to put school expenses on. Those books were like $689 and I nearly fell over in mm-hmm. line. I just couldn't believe it. And so <clears throat> I was like, "Okay, well, there's that decision. 4 years it is, Pops. Like you got this because there's no way, but I mean it's just so expensive." So I did have the gift of not having to take out loans. And when I started in mortgages, I saw so many people that have these student loan payments. Huge. That are half of their paycheck. Yep. And you can't, and they are absolutely due Mm -hmm. six months after you graduate. So, I mean, it was just so eye-opening. So I had to, I had to tell
0: that's a big deal. I, I it's didn't, a big I didn't call deal, and, and say it's thank you. it's terrifying. You know, if you take if you take credit seriously, understand you gotta make that payment, even yeah. if you don't want to. Uh, and kicking the can down the road, which is a lot of students do, a lot of people I see it doing mortgages. You know, they're trying to find ways to defer, defer, defer. defer. Yeah. Well, it's just kicking it down the road. It's you're going to pay for it eventually. Yeah. Um,
1: it also makes it hard to get ahead too. Yeah, because you know you're starting your yeah. It's your first it's shop. one of those basic
0: principles I really believe in is is the idea of deferred gratification, mm-hmm. right? Like. Um, you got to buckle down and do what needs to be done now. Um, it's not, it's not my quote. It's um, uh, another uh, money guy's quote that says, uh, "Work, uh, um, save today like or let me get this right. Live today, live today like, like nobody, nobody else. else so you can live tomorrow like nobody else. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I really think that's super important. I think that's how I personally got ahead. Was mm-hmm. you know going back to I, I didn't do all these things. And I'll, I'll tell you even another story that compound the problems I created for myself. And again, my mom 's a loving mother, and i and I am so thankful for mm-hmm. her raising a decently good kid right um, and, and she sacrificed a lot, and I know you know working mothers around the world. Sure. she was dropping me off, pick me up, made sure i had did experience everything in life right um, one thing that was that was painful though on her side was i 'm graduating from Trinity, and I get a call from my mom saying Hey, i 'm super proud you pulled this off i 'm really happy for you listen." Uh, I'd like you to go uh, buy a graduation present. Present, go buy any car that you want, and I'll make the payments for it. Party. And I went right party exactly. <laughs> so I literally had this rich kid mindset all of a sudden. I remember thinking vividly of, "Okay, I'm gonna go get a Mercedes or a BMW. Like that's a cool present. I'm gonna go do that. I've worked my butt off. I deserve it, right? Like that's a weird <laughs> conversation people have with themselves: is I work, sure. I deserve that, right? And, and thank I, God I had just met my it's wife. A gift. Right? It's a gift. It's a Thanks. gift.
1: They didn't say how much. Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. Rich kid mentality, right? And, um, I, I remember, I think I literally had just met my uh, now wife, uh, Christy, uh, 15 years now, but at the time we've been dating for about two years and she knew my story and my money story already. And she's like, Hey Josh, like you've got a perfectly good car. Remember what happened a couple of years back with the whole college thing? Maybe you should make a more sensible choice. Right? <laughs> so I literally went out to CarMax. I listened to her advice and I, but I did buy a, a, uh, 2000 Ford Exploder. Um, it had like 30,000 miles on it. It, it was, uh, 18,500 bucks. The monthly payment was three seventy one twenty five, And I remember that the payment was three seventy one twenty five because for whatever reason, my mom never made a payment ever. So now I've got a student loan coming up in six months and I just added in a car payment I didn't need cause I had a f- paid had for a work? car that I'd traded in on. Oops. And so I was terrified. Um, but you know, that's kind of where the money story started. So, yeah. um, you know, f- go ahead. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was going to say that, uh, you know, from there, everyone gets their first job, right? Yeah. Um, my first real job out of college was, uh, the only job that would take me because I couldn't get my right. stockbroker job. And, uh, I ended up in insurance sales mm-hmm. and insurance sales. Uh, I was super excited that I'd gotten the interview and gotten the job. It turns out that like, if you breathe and you have a heartbeat, they're going to hire you. I just no, didn't you know did that. <laughs> uh, because the weed out rate is insane. It's like 95% fallout rate.
1: Well, it's. One hundred percent commission, right? It's one hundred
0: percent commission, yeah. and it's uh, you know cold calling all that stuff that people just have general anxiety about. Sure. Uh, what, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention. Um, and so here I was; I had no other options. So <laughs> in the absence of Plan B, Plan One looks Plan A looks <laughs> well, really, really, really good. Looks really good. So um, you know, I show up with a completely open mind of just tell me how to make money because I got to do this. You know, I've got to pay off my right. debts. I've got to pay off my car. I got to pay off my student loans. I got to live. And then I've got this hot chick on the side that uh, apparently Texas law is if you've been dating for more than three years, you have to marry them. So, so she's, exp- she's not going to stay with a, a, a broke guy. Right. Um, and how she wants to ring it, eventually.
1: How long did it take you to get a job?
0: Uh, five months. Five yeah, months? Yeah. It was four and a half wow. or five months. Was, I was literally down to the... Because I remember I walked into my first sales mentor. My first uh, boss was Mike Arredondo, mm-hmm. And he's a wonderful human. He still lives here in San Antonio. And, uh, I remember sitting down at his desk and he has a, had a big Oak desk at the time of bankers life and casualty. And I walked in and I said, Hey Mike, dude, I've got to make money. Like now I can't wait three months or six months. I know that's what you tell people is how long it takes to start making your first paycheck. Right. I have to make money right now. What I have to do to be successful. And his answer was, um, well I'd tell you, but no one ever does the work. So I'm no not going to bother him, you know, come back to ask a different day. And I sat there for a little bit longer. I was like, no, no, sir. I, I really don't think you get it. Like I've got this Student loan coming up, this car payment coming up, this hot chick I wanna buy a diamond ring for eventually. Like, you need to tell me how to That's make money. True. And um he said no again. He said, You're wasting my time, you're not gonna do the work anyways, which was what he was trying to do is is promote me to see right. if I was a fighter or not. Yeah, right I see
1: how, how much you were how much you wanted it. Yeah, I'll
0: committed. And, and when I have no plan B, I was pretty darn committed, right? Yeah. And so um, you know, obviously came back the third time around and said, Dude, like you don't get it. I will be your best student. Just tell me what to do to be successful and um, something he taught me that day, uh, the rest of my life, I'm forever grateful. He said, "Josh, if you just talk to ten new people every single day, you'll die rich. That's all you got to do. Talk to ten new people 10 every new single people day people till the day you die, day. you'll be rich." And while this is not a money conversation, that's a sales conversation. The reality is, is that's that for me, it helped me get started in that yeah. process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did. I started not talking to ten people a day. I was dialing crazy cold leads out of phone books, whatever lead source I could get a hundred people a day, every day and started dialing for dollars. And
1: is that where they, did they tell you to call out of the phone book or did they give there? Give there you there's or? yeah.
0: That, so uh, if there were no leads, so at the time bankers used to mail out, uh, and if you check yes or no for more information, they'd have those which are cold leads Cause no one remembers actually checking something and sending it back in the mail, uh, five weeks ago. Gotcha. Um, and if you had a few of those, you'd call those. But if you okay. didn't have those, you'd just literally start calling the phone book okay. or knocking on doors or talking to whoever's in the hallway, like literally whatever anyway. it took. Anyway. Um, but I, what I will tell you is, is that um, I, I was pretty successful early just because I listened to him and did what he said. Uh, but more importantly, it's what I did with the money that mattered. So right. um, even when I started getting paychecks that were beyond my wealth streams, right? if you're a bartender making maybe a 1000 bucks a week eight hundred bucks a week, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you get a, a paycheck that's eight thousand. Um, I think most people lose their minds and go buy a house, or buy Absolutely. a car, or buy buy buy, or travel travel, or, or spend spend, or start paying for all the bar tabs for your friends or whatever. For sure. Celebrate. And, celebrate. And yeah. mine was one hundred percent of every extra dollar was reduction in debt. So I would I'd pay my bills, which we kept. You know, we we deferred uh, the the gratification, deferred, deferred, just basic stuff. Mm-hmm and dump money towards debt and where that came from is i remember when Chris and i were talking about when we get married i said hey i'm not going to get engaged like till, till all my debt's gone and yes. i can buy you a diamond ring in cash mm-hmm. i don't want to find like I, I still see lots of people finance their diamond rings yes. you know they've got or, some... they,
1: or they marry with debt or they go yep. into situations and or marry. they
0: never have the conversation before they get married don't even know that they're about to marry somebody with 500 credit scores and $50,000 of debt.
1: I always say we are like the best people to qualify like potential dating prospects yeah, on paper. Yeah. It's like, if only we could have them submit a picture along with their 10 Oh three, like, Hey, we got a good one. Single ladies in the house. Like, we got good credit over here. we got a steady job. <laughs> yeah,
0: unfortunately that's true. Uh, and that's we can't true. share the information because of privacy policies, but whatever. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was throwing all my money towards debt reduction. And what's really crazy is that with just simple discipline and it was, there was no strategy, no tack, no lesson, no book I read about it. It was just this, I want to be out of debt and I'll do whatever it takes. So I'll bust my butt. I'll work 80 hours a week. I didn't care how long I worked. Um, I didn't reward myself with anything. I didn't upgrade my car. I drove that Ford Exploder till it literally exploded. It was 280 some thousand miles when I turned it in. Um, I, I didn't buy flashy jewelry. I didn't go on trips, you know, other than whatever we could string together, or, you know, yeah. drive to Riadosa or something like that. Um, and everything was just debt reduction, debt reduction, debt reduction, debt reduction, debt reduction. Debt reduction.
1: And so... When it's interesting because you went from not ever having to worry about money to totally like, I mean, a total flip switched. So was it something that you learned about money being a finance major and you could see the debt and how it starts accruing.
0: Yeah, um, for sure. There's some lessons in that we can get into. You know, rules of seventy-two are one thing. Laws of compounding interest, things like that. I innately knew. Okay. But I also knew that if you're in debt, you're you know, it's really hard to grow your net worth, right? Because right. too much money is being sucked sucked off to pay for somebody else's interest for them to get rich. For it. So for me, it was my square one starts when I'm just at zero. Okay. I just wanted to get back to zero, back to zero. and as okay. fast as possible. Because I also knew from finance that the younger you get started on wealth accrual, the easier it is to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a crazy chart I remember seeing. Just a, I can vividly see in my head right now that if you put away two thousand dollars a year from age zero to eighteen, and then never put money aside for your kid again, based on general market stats of of, of appreciation. Um, or return on investment. Excuse me. That by age sixty five, they would be a millionaire, right? If you wow. put two thousand dollars a month, 2000. sorry, two thousand a year, aside from zero to eighteen, and you never did it again, they'd be a millionaire. That's crazy. But if you take two thousand dollars a year and save that from age nineteen to sixty five, you'd actually, which is many, many more years, obviously, yeah. you would actually have less money at age sixty five than from zero to eighteen. And that has to do with the uh, law of compounding interest and we can get into that at a yeah, different time. Is, but, yeah, um, sure. so I, I, innately knew how to do the basics, but I didn't feel like this goes back to being emotional originally. And now I'm logical about it mm-hmm. that I did, I felt like I was being wrapped around by a boa constrictor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I felt tight in the chest every time I, I got that bill and I had that outstanding debt. I know from talking to thousands of clients that people have that same feeling all the time as well. Right. Um, Okay. And so, so, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was so just it was get just, back to zero.
1: Just get back to zero. And so, um, okay, so you've got all this debt. You're getting back to zero. So so deferred yeah. deferred gratification is what I heard a, a lot of. Yeah,
0: and I got back to zero in two years because I was singularly focused. And I think that's a key is I think we we say we're focused, but we, we're focused for a minute and then we forget about it in 30 days and we justify buying this dress or going on this trip or whatever. But I was singularly focused until the job was done. And... That job had done in two years and so uh, in 2004, so I graduated in 2001. In 2004, I got married um, and I had paid for the ring in cash and we were ready to start a life together, right? Yeah. Um, from there to kind of skip ahead because as we unravel through the podcast series, the many people I've, I've learned from the mentorships, the learning from clients, you know, learning from clients is a big yeah. one. Uh, some big rules thirty thirty ten thirty rules uh, uh uh mentors and sales and coaching and things like that. The reality is is that um, one goal that I had was okay now i 'm out of debt at at age twenty four mm-hmm. I want to be a millionaire by thirty, and in my 29th ninth year um, I had made my first million in my thirtieth year, I had my first million in two more years I had two two million in the bank um and keep fast forwarding. I just turned forty this year. And at age forty, my uh, total net worth is just shy of twenty million, and I've got over uh, fourteen million in the bank. Yeah. Um, so, what I'm trying Congratulations, to say—congratulations, by the way. Yeah, thank you. And I and I it's say that easy. it's it, not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. And I, I say that not from a um, look at me perspective. It's the I know what it felt like to have a stranglehold on my throat, mm-hmm. feeling like how the hell am I going to? get out of this and get ahead. Like how, how the hell do I turn this around? Yeah. I know that feeling. Um, I also know how difficult it is to scratch your way out of it. Right. Um, which is painful in and of itself. It, it and is. it's, it is. and yes, it's rewarding when you look back on it, but let's be honest, I'd rather not go through the pain in the first place.
1: It's terrible. Right. It's terrible. And then, and, and then so I, I think that's what, that's, that's the part to focus on is, yep. you know, you went from a negative position to a po- to an extremely positive position, just yep. numbers speaking, and so I think that's that alone is. There, well, there's also strategy in place there, right? Yep. Um, it wasn't given large large sums of money weren't given. I didn't hit the
0: lottery. Right? I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't.
1: And so that's why that is why you're so good at looking at the real live numbers on a budget with living expenses, with paychecks earned, all, all of those things and putting a strategy in place that can move you forward,
0: grind it out. You gotta gotta learn to love the grind. And it is a grind when you're dealing with money. Yes, it is. It's a grind, but yes, it is. That's what I'm excited about for this podcast is just uh, to kind of share those life lessons, the moments, the pivotal people I met that really mm-hmm. taught me the how-to, not just yeah. the uh, innate understanding of I need to. Um, you know, Because it's, it's a really easy concept. When you really think about how do you grow your net worth, all you've got to do is one of two things. And they both work. Decrease debt or increase assets. Decrease liabilities or increase assets. Both of them achieve higher net worth. Mm-hmm. And so we all fundamentally know we got to pay off more of our debt and I need to save more money. We all have that basic innate thing. So, just with a few tics, tips and tricks along the way, yeah. you can maximize what the opportunity is within your budget, and be way better off in in, in a relatively short period of time. Uh, I say relatively because it took twenty years for me. Right, it took twenty years. It, this is not a uh, one trick saves you and makes you a millionaire in a year. This is a grind. Is it a it is a it's making. a twenty year thing. But. Yeah. When you look at your life and you look at where your finances are right now, I don't care if you're listening and you're 18 Mm -hmm. or 30 or 50. The reality is it's time to get your head out of the sand and do something about it and and make sure that in 20 years from now, you're not anywhere close to the same position you are today. Um, So anyways, I hope that was helpful. This is the end of our Day one, week one, one, year one, episode one one podcast, and and, uh, we'll keep on trucking. I think
1: we teed it up perfectly. (laughs) I think we teed it up perfectly. Nice work, dude. Cheers. All right. See you next time.